today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Rage, mass murders through school shootings or bombings in public places, alcoholism, drug abuse, and all of that is being fed a continual diet of an entertainment that's absolutely blasphemy. Suddenly they become the biggest attraction of movies, and yet you watch it and you say, man, it's just filled, filled with blasphemy against the things of God, against the things of His world. How close are we to being as in the days of Noah? In today's message, Pastor David will outline several things to look for that signal the end times and the second coming of our Lord Jesus. We will learn that the frequency of disease, war, and famine will increase just as labor pains increase in intensity before a baby is born. Pastor David also teaches us that the love of many will grow cold and wickedness will rule men's hearts. People will cease to follow sound doctrine, but will seek after teachers who do not confront sin, but preach feel-good messages and watered-down gospel. Now here's Pastor David with part three of his message, The End of All Things, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. second costliest hurricane on record to ever happen in the United States, Hurricane Sandy, as it hit our northeast coast. And it's interesting, somebody shared with me last night that they were just watching a report on that and how Hurricane Sandy was kind of scooting the coast until it got to New England, and then it made an abrupt left turn and went into the shoreline. 2013, a 7.3 earthquake hit Japan. The Baja of Mexico was also hit by a 6.4 earthquake. A week or two ago, a major typhoon hit Tokyo. And then a 7.2 earthquake hit the Philippines. And Cyclone Phelan, one of the biggest in recent history, came ashore on the eastern coastline of India. And the only reason that there weren't massive loss of life there was because they were able to get advanced warning and millions and millions of people were evacuated from the coastlines of India at that point in time. Again, I could go on and on, and really, I truly could. There is so much there, but you get the idea. Natural disasters, and I believe, again, as you would go and look at the records, historical records, they are increasing in intensity and uh, increasing in action. In other words, there's more of them coming along right after each other and the intensity of it. The second category, this is only the second category. We just finished the first, and we got six of them to go. So listen fast, okay? (laughs) The second category, and I believe this is another one that uh, you'll, you'll, you'll easily agree with me. He says social depravity. Social depravity. We look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, realize this. You need to realize, you need to understand this. He says, realize this, Timothy, 
that in the last days, difficult times are going to come. For men are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money. They're going to be boastful and arrogant. They're going to be revilers, disobedient to parents. They're going to be ungrateful, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self control. I think of the news of just this last couple of weeks and of the motorcycle gangs. And if you ride a motorcycle, this isn't a bash against motorcycles there, but these gangs that, that, that suddenly come along and they just overtake the freeways. And as we saw the, the incident over in California where the man was beaten nearly to death because just, again, just the, the tragedy of all that took place there. Lack of self-control. Brutal. Haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This thing sounds almost like the latest evening newscast, doesn't it? I think we can look at this and we understand that in the end times, there's going to be three things that people are going to love more than anything else. And that's self, money, and pleasure. Self, money, and pleasure. We could look at them and say humanism, materialism, and hedonism. And one kind of leads to another. If I have everything that I want in life, then I'm going to do pretty much everything that I want in life. Self, money, and pleasure. Humanism, materialism, hedonism. We can see, again, with those things, when the world chooses those things, we see the natural consequences of those type of life choices. We see it in our society right now, today, when in our society we are overwhelmed with the sins of abortion, domestic violence, child molestation, adultery, pornography, homosexuality, rage, mass murders through school shootings, or bombings in public places, alcoholism, drug abuse. And all of that is being fed a continual diet of an entertainment that's absolutely blasphemy. Suddenly they become the biggest attraction of movies. And yet you watch it and you say, man, it's just filled, filled with blasphemy against the things of God, against the things of his world. How close are we to being as in the days of Noah? The third category, end-time category of prophetic things that we see happening. Spiritual decline. Spiritual decline. Again, in 2 Timothy, this time chapter 4, Paul writing, he says, The time will come when they, speaking of professing Christians... The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. Jesus also warned about false Christs, false prophets, false teachers that come in and they bring false doctrines and they lead many astray. We see an ever-growing trend even within the church today just simply to have the ears tickled. Wanting to go to where I, I only feel good. I want to hear some positive thinking type of messages. I want to be only encouraged. I don't want to be admonished. I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to be challenged. I just want to feel good. And all the time, so many continue to fall back into the world, the place that they came out of. 
We see a continual growth also of cultic type groups through the, again, the rise of the teachings of heresy and apostasy that's brought about by all this deceptive teaching, even within what many would call Christianity. It was a report out just this week because they built a new temple up in the Phoenix area of the rise of, of Mormonism, rise of the LDS to 13 million right now that they claim on their roles. And yet the teaching of Mormonism is so false and so misleading and so heretical. And it's not just them. There's a multitude of those types of things that are going on right now. We see within the world culture an ever-increasing interest in the occult. Is there any surprise why movie series such as like Harry Potter or the Twilight Saga were so popular? And just about anything about zombies right now is a hit, right? You know, all you got to do is have a zombie in it and people flock to it. Oh, this is great. Problem is, that's even among Christian young people. And along with this interesting and building interest in demonic, on the demonic realm, we also see a a rising popularity in what's called the slayer type movies. These gory, intensely gory horror type movies. Beloved, I think that that's a clear sign that we as a culture, we are continually moving further and further away from righteousness and we're replacing it with wickedness. Isaiah said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Fourth category, the world political scene. That could be a hot topic. (laughs) Well, let me bring it to a different direction than what you might be thinking of. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he says, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And here again, the words of Dr. Reagan, he says, the magnitude of warfare in the 20th century is another fulfillment of end time prophecy that's related to world politics. The 20th century was one of unparalleled war. Like birth pangs, the frequency and intensity of war increased exponentially. It's now estimated that more people died in wars during the 20th century than in all previous wars throughout all of recorded human history. Let that sink in for a moment. In 100-year period, the world itself, more people have lost their lives in that one 100-year period than in all other of human history. For us here today, I think that it's good to note prophetic messages, passages such as we find back in Ezekiel, and we're not going to turn there, but You can just go back and read it yourself, Ezekiel 35, 36, 37, 38, in those areas. They speak of this end-time scenario, and they speak of a scenario where there are all this multitude of nations all all around the world that have gathered together to come against Israel. Now, this also helps us to understand why Israel had to be reestablished. 
Those, those prophetic messages that, that, that could not have happened if Israel was not a nation, but now they are against all odds and in the midst of all these hostile Arab neighbors, God reformed the nation of Israel in May of 1948. So you've got this little bitty country surrounded by all of these Arab nations that are hostile, or at least with a very, very sensitive relationship with them. The prophecies of Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah and a host of others speak about this multitude of nations such as Iran and Syria and North Sudan and Turkey and even the countries of the former Soviet Union, those coming against the nation of Israel. And it's very interesting that in all of those nations, there is one religion that is prominent in all of those, and that's Islam. God is going to be using that, I believe, again, in these last days with the rise of Islam in so many of these nations, including our own, by the way. And it's also really interesting, too, speaking of us. It's very hard for any prophecy teacher to look through Scripture and dig as they may to find anything that relates to the United States of America. You can hunt, you can search, you can look all over. The amazing thing is, in the 19th and in the 20th century, we were the most powerful nation on earth. How could we not be involved in the last day's scenario? In the 19th and the 20th century, nothing happened on this world but that the United States was somehow involved with it, either in assisting in recovery, in rescue or rebuilding, or in going in and protecting and watching over. But you know what? The longer the time takes, the less importance the United States is on the world scene. Personally, I believe that we're not going to be too involved in the end times because economically, socially, and even spiritually, we're going to be, in essence, a non-player. Should the Lord tarry? I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. Let's move to the fifth category, technological capabilities. And you say, the Bible doesn't speak about technology. They hadn't even invented it yet. Well, it's amazing about prophecy. It can speak of things that haven't been yet as though they already are. Luke 21, again, the Lord speaking. He says, men will faint from fear over the expectation of the things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And again, Dr. Reagan declares, he says, the development of nuclear weapons seems to be the foreshadowed by this prophecy in Luke 21 that speaks of people fainting from fear due to the powers of the heavens being shaken. The incredible carnage of the seal and the trumpet judgments portrayed in chapter 6 and 8 in the book of Revelation indicates that the Antichrist will conquer the world through the use of possible nuclear weapons. We're told that one-third of the earth will be burned and one-half of humanity will be killed. Further evidence that it's probable nuclear holocaust is also found in Revelation chapter 16, where we're told that at the end of the tribulation, the survivors will be covered with sores that will not heal, much like being burned with nuclear reaction. I want to add to... Reagan's concept of nuclear weaponry, 
with the passages that we actually find in Ezekiel chapter 39, verses 11 through 16. Here we see where men are hired and equipped, specially equipped to go and bury the bodies of the armies of Gog and all those that would follow him, the, the ones that came against Israel. They would have to hire people, get them specially prepared to go out and bury those bodies. It'll take them seven months to bury the bodies and to cleanse the land, according to Ezekiel 39. Then following that, they will send out special search parties to look even more closely in the land. And even if they find the bones of someone, those who are searching aren't to deal with them, aren't to touch them. They're to put uh, markers there so that those who are prepared, and I believe with the right equipment, to be able to go and get those fragments and go and bury them. And as he says in Ezekiel 39, verse 16, thus they shall cleanse the land. It's interesting. Usually in war, you just go bury the bodies. But here they're speaking about cleansing the land. When there's a nuclear holocaust, nuclear activity, the land itself needs to be cleansed. On another level, we're currently in the information age, the age of technology. Seems like we're continuing to be ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, isn't it? It's in this age that we're able to do and achieve things that, man, we couldn't even imagine a hundred years ago. Whereas the industrial age was before us, now we're in that information age or the technology age, and it's bringing the world together in a way, uh, again, in, in, in a virtual sense anyway, in a way that was never possible except for one other time in the history of humanity was the world all brought together. And ladies, you read about that in the women's Bible study in Genesis chapter 11 where the world came together and was of one language and they built the Tower of Babel and God said, no, you're not going to do that. The world now through computer technology speaks one language and it's ones and zeros the language of computers, the language of technology. Even the prophecies that pertain to, again, this whole idea of the whole world being under the control of one individual. How in the world could that be in the past? We look, you know, how could somebody in London or Moscow or Mumbai tell me what I could buy or sell? How could they be in control of that? Well, right now it depends upon who controls the computer technologies of the world. And it also all depends upon who controls the world monetary system. And if you think that we don't have a one world monetary system even right now, then just pay attention to the rise and the fall of our own stock exchange when something on the other side of the world happens. And just pay attention to what happens to the rest of the world when the United States decides to shut down the government for a few days. Beloved, we are tied together at the hip with the rest of the world right now. It's through technology that a whole lot of these biblical prophecies are going to be able to take place. Even today in third world countries, third world countries, many if not most of the homes have satellite dishes. Many of the people have cell phones and many of those cell phones are smartphones. Some of them even have computers. Even today, right now, when something happens at a baseball field in Boston, a guy in Nigeria starts collecting his bets immediately because they've been able to see it. They've been able to hear it all the way around the world. 
Number six, the last category is Israel herself. Zechariah 12, 3 states, And it shall come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Again, from Dr. Reagan. In 1900, okay, that's a hundred and a few years ago. In 1900, there were only 40,000 Jews living in the area that at that point in time was called Palestine. 40,000, 40,000. By the end of World War II, 1945, about 45 years later, that number had risen to 800,000. And today, 2000, well, for him it was 2004, and it's even more today, there's 5.7 million Jews that have come from all over the world to Israel. Israel, no bigger than the state of New Jersey, continually attacked since and even on the very day that it was established back in 1948. But not only have they survived those attacks, they have prospered in the midst of it. God fulfilling his promise, fulfilling his prophetic message. And it's still a hotbed of conflict. Even today, Everyone, including the United States of America, is trying to tell Israel what they need to do and how they should run their own country. And yet none of these other countries would allow Israel to tell them what to do or none of these other countries would allow what Israel has gone through to happen to them. The world doesn't recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And yet it was their capital. The Vatican thinks that they ought to be in charge of Jerusalem. The United Nations thinks that there ought to be an international group that takes care of Jerusalem. And tell me where that's ever worked for anything. The European Union believes, oh, here's a simple deal. Just divide it right down the middle. Let the Arabs have part. Let the Jews have another part. And the Arabs said, no, we want all of it. Beloved, the signs of the time, I believe, are everywhere. And that's why Peter tells the church here, be serious, be watchful in your prayers, because the end of all things is at hand. It was over 40 years ago when Gordon Jensen wrote the words to that song. Years of time have come and gone since I first heard it told how Jesus would come again someday. And if back then it seemed so real, I just can't help but feel how much closer his coming is today. Signs of the time, they're everywhere. And there's a brand new excitement in the air. Keep your eyes upon the eastern sky. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. He says wars and strife on every hand and violence fills the land. Still some people doubt He'll ever come again, including about 50% of Christians today. But the word of God, beloved, is true. He'll redeem his chosen few. Don't lose hope. Soon, Christ Jesus will descend.
Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter, reminding us through this letter that persecution comes to every follower of Jesus. The encouragement to keep strong in faith in those times of trial is also a challenge, though. Instead of complaining, turn to Jesus. Instead of shrinking from the hard questions, embrace them with truth. Walking in faith and with hope isn't an easy task, but Jesus has promised to walk with us and give us the words we need to speak. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word, and we hope you're leaving us today feeling stronger in your faith. Before we close our time with you today, though, Pastor David would like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. You know I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for being a part of our time here today. Pastor David will return soon to continue studying 1 Peter right here on The Open Word.